Welcome to the Strong John Fitness Podcast. This show is dedicated to helping you achieve your best body without the BS. We'll cover training, nutrition, basically everything you need for a successful fitness journey, and we'll have some fun along the way. I'm your host, John Vlahoinakos. Let's get into it. All right, we are officially recording. So first of all, I want to thank you, Eric, for coming on here. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time. I know, I know how busy you are. Um, I'd say you're one of the few people that are busier than I am. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but thank you for taking the time. How's it going today, man? How, how are things? Man, it's going well, going well. Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad we're able to, uh, to hook up. I know we've been discussing this for a while, but um, obviously with the latest addition to the family, things get a little bit chaotic this time of year. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited to be here and, and happy to chat. Absolutely, man. How, how old is your, is your daughter now, right? Yeah, she's, yeah. She'll, be, um, she'll be five months, actually. Okay, next week, not this week. So wow. yeah, coming up, man. It's been uh, been about five months. And, um, you know, now personality, all that stuff is showing. So that's uh, that's an exciting time. Yeah, man. I remember um, between the ages of like five, six months, and like one to two years, like that whole stretch. It's just like so much changes within them, and they start to become this like little person. It's kind of wild to see. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm dealing with a, a yeah, four-year-old. No, go ahead. I was gonna say I'm going with a with a four year old that's going on like sixteen. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine, man. It's uh, my best friend's got a couple. He's got a two year old, a four year old, so same deal. Yeah, it's busy for sure. Awesome, man. So, wh- anyone that doesn't know Eric, I met Eric, I guess virtually. It's been like three years now. Yeah, I believe I think, three years. Yeah, and honestly, I don't even remember like how I came across your page on Instagram. I was pretty much an Instagram rookie at that point. But anyway, I loved your stuff back then. And you're doing some, I mean, you've done fitness coaching, business coaching. We'll talk about both. But uh, that's how we got connected. And you really helped kickstart my online fitness business into a next, into a next kind of level. And full disclosure, from when you were my business coach, I still get compliments now about like my copywriting. So Thank you for that, because you you definitely helped uh, help me clean my stuff up. Um, and looking back on my old Instagram posts, it's cringeworthy before that. Um, but I'd love for you to just tell everyone your story, like um, how'd you get into fitness, and then how did it take off into fitness and business and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. So you know, for me, like a lot of like a lot of guys, it was. Uh, I was a small kid growing up. Um, I would love sports. I was always an athlete, but I was also the last kid to, uh, to grow. So fortunately, I grew up in an active family. Uh, my dad was always involved in martial arts. So when I was a little kid, I remember seeing him come home from, uh, from the dojo and he would be stretching, doing stuff like that. So monkey see, monkey do. I'd jump down on the floor next to my dad and do the same stuff. So for me, that started, um, you know, just got me interested just in stretching body weight stuff when I was really, really young, but to kind of fast forward a little bit going into high school, like I said, I'd always been a good athlete, but then I noticed everybody else grew before me and having been a good athlete at that point, I was like, okay, this sucks. I've got to do something about it. So I really committed myself to the gym at an early age. And fortunately 
once my body naturally caught up to that, I had a work ethic and knew what I was doing in the gym to a point where uh, it helped me in terms of overall performance, football and track, stuff like that. And, um, you know, unfortunately, early on for me, I also battled some injuries, though. I had shoulder injury and then tore, tore a hamstring going into college. So um, instead of, you know, I was, I was going to play football originally, but then I really got interested in terms of injury prevention. I wanted to make sure that nobody else went through the same kind of agonizing pain that I did time and time again. And I really committed to the strength and conditioning field at a young age. So when I was in college, I was working as a strength coach, um, training our, our wrestling team, working with minor league baseball players, um, you know, all, all while going through school and really getting that experience. And uh, when I was able to take off professionally, you know, I had a, a wealth of experience in public research, working with college teams for years. So that set me, you know, ahead of the curve when it came to actually working with the people that I wanted to be able to work with. And uh, when I graduated college, you know, I had a couple different options. My wife, um, my wife had a job offer out in Denver. I had a job offer out in Denver, also at like Athletes Performance, now Exos to do combine training. And I was like, okay, I really want to do this combine training stuff, but I really like this girl. <laughs> so uh, long story short, I moved out to Denver, took, uh, took that job. Um, that girl's now my wife. So that works out well. And I got a lot of experience working kind of in the, the big gym business, right? Working at a uh, large facility that catered to, uh, you know, a fairly wealthy clientele who was attached to our Ritz Carlton, but also um, had connections with the Denver Nuggets. So I was able to keep dabbling in that sport performance angle, um, understand the gym business from that kind of corporate side mm -hmm. and really see, you know, the differences in what those look like. Um, so kind of looking at that full, full picture, I'd always wanted to help people look great naked without living in the gym, which is still our tagline now, but always through this lens of performance. Um, so I, you know, I continued working through that, but, you know, I quickly learned that what you learn in school, what you learn in terms of physiology, diet, all that stuff, well, you can be great at it, but it doesn't pay the bills. You know, it's kind of like the big, big thing that nobody learns when they explore their passion for health and wellness and fitness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, I didn't realize you were like that deep. I knew you were an athlete. I didn't know like you work with athletes for that long. Uh, like how old are you now? Uh, 31. 31. So you're okay. So you've been almost, I'd say you're in the industry for over 10 years then, right? Yeah. I was, yeah. Uh, I was training clients when I was, uh, I guess technically when I was 18, cause I was fairly young as a freshman in college. So. Damn dude. Yeah. You've been OGs in one of those and you're, you're young for an OG too. I'm a young like, OG, right? Yeah. Like I'm 31. <laughs> I've only been in the industry for, for half the time you've been at it. Cause I didn't know what the hell I was doing when I was 18. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's be real. I didn't know what I was doing beyond that. I just knew I liked to lift weights and the performance, but, you know, still made my, uh, my share of interesting decisions at that time. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So um, when I was looking at it, when I was working at that gym, and this was kind of, you know, fresh out of school, we went through a managerial change at work. And all of a sudden, you know, I built up this great book of business, had a loyal clientele, and everything was taken, like the rug was pulled out from underneath me. And it was like, oh, there's nothing that I can do, but my pay is going to get cut 40% because they want to change the structure because their margins weren't, weren't well. So I was able to see the ugly side of business where I was like, wait, I'm doing all the right things. I've built up a large book of business. I'm getting people incredible results, but suddenly I'm getting this kind of taken away from me. Oh, that doesn't quite seem right. And for me, that's what really jumpstarted my interest in terms of the overall online fitness business. And this was really when it was just getting started. And for me, it just became something where, 
okay, I've got these clients that I like working with, mostly, uh, mostly men who are executives, a lot of guys that are entrepreneurs in the oil industry. And, you know, they face common problems that a lot of our clients do, John, right? They you know they've got families. Um, Pre-COVID, they traveled quite a bit. So they had business dinners, going out to restaurants, and these things would throw them off their routine. So even if they were motivated, even if they had great intentions, they weren't getting all the support that they needed. And the online training, what really this allowed me to do was continue to help these individuals when they were out on the road, right? And that's really how, how the whole online training business started for me. Um, so kind of fast forward that in terms of both sides, you know, I got that started early and just focused on helping people solve these common problems that they were facing on a regular basis and really built up my online coaching business through providing value directly related to the same thing that I was experiencing with my coaches or with, uh, with my clients in person. So it was uh, just a really organic kind of cool beginning, you know, compared to a lot of the things that you see maybe, maybe now, especially with COVID where it's almost a little bit of a rat race for people trying to get in because they think it's a kind of a, a gold mine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It seems like your whole journey into where you are now, just like it just flowed. It was almost like there was no, I'm not going to say no hardships, but there was no like forks in the road where you're like, oh, I don't know. You were kind of like, you built up this clientele and this business almost in a sense, you could have almost had it for yourself at that gym. And then, like you said, it got taken away from you. So it's naturally you're just like, okay, well, I'm putting in all this work and everyone's seeing results. Why aren't I doing this for myself? That's what it seemed like. It just, it just brought you there. Yeah, definitely. So that's, that's really how it flowed. So, you know, kind of taking, taking that to the next level, I've been building the online business. Um, and I had jumped, actually jumped, I left that facility and then decided to go work, uh, work elsewhere as an independent contractor for one of the top sport performance coaches in the world, Lauren Landau, who's now the uh, uh, strength coach for the Denver, or for the Denver Broncos. And got to work under his tutelage and got a ton of excellent experience doing NFL combine training and, you know, just a, just an overall great experience. But um, again, there, you know, it was a thing where I've always been an extremely driven individual. Um, I'll definitely say I'm type A and I, I do much better when I'm working for myself than others. And it was a situation where I built this business up to a point where I'm like, hey, you know what? I don't need to be working for anybody else anymore. I need to go all in in terms of what I'm doing here. So um, really what happened at that point is I... I worked as an independent contractor at another gym in Denver and had built up my online business. However, I was still taking clients two or three days a week in person. And everything changed about five, maybe six years ago now. It was in November and I've been training clients. And I can't remember if I told you the story or not about my accountants, but uh, we're going to go into that one. Let's first. go into it. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been training clients, I'm working with the same guy I've been training probably for three years, so I knew him pretty well, but you know, I'm sitting in the session and my phone is just going off. I'm like, I'm not gonna answer this, it's not professional, not professional. But as soon as I got done, I looked and I had like six missed voicemails and they were from my accountant's, um, my accountant's assistant or secretary. And um, essentially what happened was my accountant <laughs> was part or the head of the largest fraud scheme in the history of the state of Colorado. Wow. And so what I had found out, unfortunately, you know, right after I'd gone all into my own business, kind of cut out this huge revenue stream that I had working with athletes and um, had taken all my payroll taxes for the previous two years and wrote zero on them and then put them in his own pocket. So um, I owed all this money to the IRS. Um, overall, it cost me over $100,000 right as I was going all into my own business as part of a $20 million uh, fraud scheme in the state of Colorado. 
So this happened to be a huge roadblock for me in my business. And at this point, it's one of those things, right? Like when, when life throws something in front of you, what are you going to do? At first I was mad, obviously. Yeah. I wanted to grab a Molotov cocktail and you know, throw it through the, through the window. But, you know, what I found out rather quickly was that wasn't going to serve me. And, you know, this is the message I've been telling to a lot of my clients who are going through some serious hardships right now when it comes to COVID. Um, a lot of things that, that can happen that are, you know, they're not necessarily your fault, but they become your responsibility to fix regardless. Because um, I remember sitting, you know, soon thereafter in a cold chair talking to an IRS investigator and he's like, hey man, sometimes bad things happen to good people. We don't know where the money is and there's a good chance you're never going to see it again. Uh, so at that point it was like, you know, <laughs> this really sucks. Uh, my heart sank. I was, you know, I was devastated. I was confused. I didn't know what to do. Um, I was concerned for, you know, my finances, my, my family after taking, taking this leap. But like anything else, it was a chance to grow. And anytime that you're going through something like that, it's like you need to be able to position this as a chance to learn something, to take it and improve. And for me, what this did is this really forced me to look at what I was doing directly with my business and, and who I was working with and find a way to, to make it more effective. Because frankly, I had these huge payments I had to make on a regular basis uh, to the IRS. Otherwise, I was going to be facing all kinds of audits and then basically end up in financial hell even further. So fortunately, um, fortunately, we made those, made those adjustments. Um, we really just stepped up our marketing. We combined our in-person online services, which was our, our hybrid approach to online coaching. And really what that built out, as you came to know, was our business coaching. Um, essentially what happened is our business took off. We started you know, basically exponentially growing each and every single month. And soon colleagues and trainers are reaching out and saying, Eric, you know, what are you doing? Like, how did your business take off so quickly? And, um, you know, as, as, as we said before, one thing kind of led to another and I was getting called out to do presentations, flying out to Santa Monica to present for gym owners and, and help them instill the same exact principle directly into their business, um, which leads to where we are today, right? Now we've got, uh, we've got Bach Business Coaching and then we still have Bach Performance, the online coaching platform. Killing it, man. Dude, I don't, that story is incredible. I don't know how you came back from that. Like, I don't know, personally, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes as you're telling the story. Like that's the most resilient thing I think I've heard or one of, because you just hopped online. You just like, I'm going to do this for myself. And then you just got completely derailed. And it, again, it wasn't even your fault. It was nothing you can do. And then you're like, you could have easily, I guess, quit or just went back to a, a big box gym, but you were, you were resilient. And I think that's, I think this is a lot and it, it, it probably comes from your upbringing as well. Right that active household fitness resiliency and you just carry it over into your business mindset. And that's why you're still here and crushing it today. Yeah, I definitely think that's uh, that's part of it. Kind of, I mean, you know, growing up as an athlete, very fortunate to have active parents who, who didn't sell those values and have, you know, coaches who, who were also, you know, just kind of preach the classic sayings of, you know, these are cheesy, but you know, if you want to be the best, you have to outwork the rest and stuff like that. Right. But the big takeaway here is looking at fitness itself as so much more than something that helps you have a better reflection in the mirror or better blood work when you go to the doctor or a better deadlift or more likes on your booty shot on Instagram, whatever it is, right? Um, you know, as we like to say, fitness is the force multiplier. The lessons that you learn through the gym, through the delayed gratification, through committing to the process and understanding that there are going to be roadblocks and continue on anyway, they bleed over into every other area of your life. 
so in the case of business, when you're faced with something like this, I mean, in a million years, I wouldn't have pictured that I would have had to deal with something like that. And obviously at first, again, I was filled with rage and panic. But at the end of the day, those things wouldn't serve me. You know, sitting there and feeling bad for myself wouldn't serve me. Um, there wasn't anybody who was going to come to my rescue. And if I wanted to try to sue, one, they couldn't find the money. And two, I would have gone through more lawyer fees than money I would have gotten back. So yeah. it would have been a ton of stress. Um, so at that point, you know, when you look at what your options are, it's like control what you can, cope with what you can, and then just go. You just got to put your head down. You got to grind. And, um, you know, again, I think it's that understanding of having that background in health and fitness and, and training that really builds that resilience and that fortitude and those, those lessons that you can take and apply them going forward. Absolutely, man. And it says a lot about you as a person and as a coach, like you're hardworking clearly and you're resilient and you're passing that on to clients. And I feel like there's been a big shift over the last few years of, I want to say Instagram coaches, but coaches in general, where there's more to it than just like training and eating what you're doing in the gym and what you're eating. It's like, what's happening outside of everything. What's, what does your day-to-day life look like? What are your stressors? And like you said, there's always going to be hurdles. I think for anyone who thinks that there's going to be a perfect time to start and, and things are going to be perfect and so easy. It's never, ever the case. Um, and building resilience through a fitness journey, whether it's fat loss or muscle growth is always going to be beneficial in other aspects of life for sure. And you, you hit that nail on the head. Definitely. And you bring up the stress component, right? I mean, I mean, let's look at this here. Everyone's been so incredibly stressed. And, but when you look at it and think of the reasons that maybe you fall off a diet or that you fall off your gym routine, most times it comes down to stress. It's you're so bogged down at work and you've got so many things going on or maybe you're trying to make a pivot or a change in your career. So going to the gym just kind of goes out because you're spending all your time focusing on these other things. But what we don't consider is health is going downhill. You're having less energy and no stress relief, which basically destroys the foundation from which cognitive performance and overall you know health is built on, right? And if we look at a diet, kind of the same thing. It's the underlying factor for most people. It's stress. So we can look at macros. We can look at making better food choices. We can look at all these other aspects of it. But until we actually address what the root causes, basically having a Band-Aid approach to what is a fairly you know, significant issue that we have to be able to overcome. Um, not even to speak of the overall health issues that, that come from stress beyond you know, body composition. Yeah, for sure. And, and this, this year has been exceptional with, with stress. And I feel like, and you said it earlier about controlling what you can. And I feel like 2020 kind of put people in two camps. It's like, you can stress about everything and anything that you see in the media or on the news, or you can really just kind of put your head down and look at, okay, like these are the variables I actually have control over. And this is where I'm going to put my focus. And I think it, depending on which route you took, you maybe didn't have as bad of a year because your mind wasn't on like all the what ifs and everything else that you're hearing about. It's like, no, especially as a business owner, like you already have enough to focus on. Um, and if you have clients, you have that too. So focusing on what you can control is honestly something I've been not preaching about, but really shifting towards over the last year and a half. And this year was like more than enough. Like I had to do that because otherwise stress would have taken over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's really it. You know, I mean, again, it's, 
not to go too hard, like to pull yourself up by the whole bootstraps mantra, because that might get some people triggered, but whatever. It's, at the end of the day, it's like, you can't really hope and wait for an external force to come and save you. You know, and it, it's still at the end of the day, it comes down to you. It comes back to the words that I was told, you know, early on when dealing in that scenario, it's like, it's not your fault, but it's your responsibility. You still have to make these payments. And if not, like we're coming to collect on you. Yeah. And I love that. Frankly, yeah. that's, that's how it is. And whether the payments are getting in the gym and, and making sure you knock out those workouts or making the right food choices and the payment is, you know, higher stress, dissatisfaction, poor health, early death. You never know like when those things are going to happen. It's like you have to take care of what's in front of you regardless. I love that. Yeah, absolutely, man. How have, um, how have you helped your clients deal with like with, with the stress of COVID, I'll call it, or the stress of 2020? Yeah, I mean, so from the business perspective, the you know, immediate thing for us was, you know, we have a lot of folks who are, who are gym owners and are still working with clients in person, not just, not just online. So uh, immediately it was working to help them pivot their business even faster and provide support to the people that they're already serving that expect to see them in the gym. Um, so for us, basically, even though we have an online-based business, our entire model you know, maybe not the entire model, but like 70% of what we were doing had to change on a dime, just like everything else. So the biggest thing there was like, you know, what kind of resources can we help and provide for our clients to make sure that they are able to service the people who are paying their bills so they can continue building their business. Um, but then when it comes to the fitness side, you know, the biggest thing with my clients was, you know, gyms got shut down right away. And so while some people were fortunate to have home gyms or able to get equipment before, everything in the world seemed to disappear for about six months. Um, obviously it was a lot of home-based programs, but more than that, it was actually a more holistic approach to health and fitness itself. And, you know, a lot of times we, when someone comes into the world thinking that, you know, say they want to lose weight, they think the biggest things are going to be that training program and nutrition, right? Well, those are, those are fun. Um, and most people really emphasize the training, at least, at least my crowd, at least my crowd. But this is where we jump into things like stress, like lifestyle, like optimizing your schedule. Because again, if stress isn't taken care of, it undermines all of these other components. And even on a physiological level, when you're stressed and you're not sleeping, testosterone decreases, growth hormone decreases, cortisol, the stress hormone increases, which leads to more stress, which makes it worse. Insulin sensitivity, the way that you are able to process foods that you're taking in gets, expect, gets exceptionally worse. Meaning even if you're having the same quality food that I am and caloric intake and my insulin sensitivity is better, you're gonna be more likely to gain body fat. Not fair, but that's kind of how it works. And all these other things that really roll into one that you have to think from a physiological level on how that interplays with somebody's lifestyle. Um, so emphasizing stress reduction measures, meditation, optimizing daily schedules to really help make sure that people were doing these things on a regular basis to, to keep them going. That's massive, man. And that's, that's the true holistic approach, right? Cause like I said, anyone can go ahead and download programs, download meal plans. And that, that's, that's not helpful for people, right? So as coaches and good coaches, such as yourself, like you go the extra mile and you look at like, what does your day look like? Where's the stress coming from? And even I find recently, especially, um, past dieting history plays a huge role because if someone's been on diets in the past and like, yeah, like five years ago, I lost 10 pounds in two months. And I'm like, well, like that was different. Right. And there's a reason why you're still not doing that diet. Uh, there's way more to it than just like what the current program is as coaches, we have to factor in everything else that comes before this program. And that's how we have to help them overcome maybe past diet failures or, 
inability to lose fat even. Yeah. I think that's something absolutely crucial that not enough coaches talk about because for many people, there's such a immediate pain at the point when, when they join a coaching program, like they're so dissatisfied, like I need to take care of this now. I'm at a tipping point where this is something I need to do. And they want to go as fast as possible to get as much weight off as quickly as possible. And as coaches, many who are well-intentioned, well, a number will, you know, try to appease their client. But what happens is they follow a diet that's far too aggressive and metabolism drops because you're eating 1200 calories a day and you're exercising a ton. And pretty soon you have nowhere else to go, right? You can only take calories so low. And the fact of the matter is you can only lose body fat so fast. It's only two or 3% of your body weight, basically in a given, given week, I believe. I had to look at the research from Lyle McDonald again, but it's not nearly as much as people would think. So two to three pounds of fat in a week is absolutely fast progress. And one is a little bit more sustainable. Um, unfortunately, people have unrealistic expectations of what that is. So they die aggressively and pretty soon they have nowhere to go. Have you found that to be a, a pretty common issue? Yeah, I mean, that's part of, depending on the person, of course, um, I deal with a lot of parents and most parents, I mean, in their 40s, they've definitely died in the past. Right. Um, and it's, it's usually of, um, it's deprogramming a lot of people. It's taking what they thought they know or what they used to know or what they think they know about dieting and losing fat and completely reprogramming it because the fast and hard approach clearly is not beneficial for them because I think I was just talking about this with someone else is I can give someone like the most restrictive diet for 12 weeks and have them lose 20, 30 pounds. But after those 12 weeks, they're going to be in the shit. They're going to, they're going to be, they feel horrible. Training's going to suck. They might not even last the entire 12 weeks because they hate it so much. And then they're back to square one right after. Right. And like with the new year around the corner, I think it's important. I think it's great. We're having this conversation. It's kind of like a forewarning to a lot of people. Like, look, you're going to get a lot of bullshit marketing coming steer clear because yes. whatever is, is being said about fast approaches and timelines when it comes to fat loss Yes, there are general, like you can lose this amount, but it's very dependent on the individual. Definitely. And, and honestly, a tip, if, like, if you're looking at that marketing and you're in a conversation with a coach, I know, John will, I know John will give it to you straight, but for example, somebody else, if they're like, hey, you're going to lose, you know, you're going to lose 15 pounds in the next 90 days, you want to ask them then what? Because, you know, a fast approach, it can work to an extent in the beginning, but as you were mentioning, right? Like if you don't have a long-term plan, you're not going to have long-term sustainability. So anytime that you have rapid fat loss, what you need to be able to do is actually, you know, look at what your metabolic health looks like and really make sure that you're addressing the underlying habits that led to the fat gain in the first place, because through sheer willpower, you know, people can put up with a pretty brutal diet for a decent amount of time and lose that weight. Uh, but if that's not sustainable, then neither are the results. So, what I found to be a really good approach, and I've, I've written on this for, for T Nation that I'm on my website as well, is the uh, Matador diet approach, which essentially looks at a two-week-on, two-week-off diet approach. So essentially what this looks like, John, is you know, the evidence from, from these studies says that the maximum amount or the maximum caloric deficit somebody can really have and lose fat without losing muscle mass is about 30%. So protein has to be high enough, right? Um, but after about two weeks, metabolic downregulation starts to kick in. Meaning if you were eating 2000 calories and losing body fat, well, your body's going to start slowing down. It's going to fight back. You're not going to be as active and no longer is that going to work. So 
what most coaches do would take your calories a little bit lower. But what I found to be a better approach is to actually bring your calories back up for two weeks, back to maintenance. So you don't have a metabolic slowdown. Your sex drive stays high. You still have energy, thyroid, all that stuff is great. You're training well. And then two weeks later, you can bring it back down again. And it might take a little bit longer, but the results are an absolute game changer because one, you don't feel like trash. Two, you can sustainably attack some different habits. Um, you can learn how to eat more food, but have it be quality. And when you do that and you can stick to the process and be able to lose that weight over time, you leave being able to eat, you know, 20% more calories on a regular basis without gaining body fat. You can eat more of your favorite foods without gaining body fat. And you're going to maintain more muscle mass and energy throughout the entire process. Yeah. Which is huge. I mean, I love that approach. How do you, how do you wrap the average dieter wouldn't, wouldn't even known of this stuff, right? They wouldn't, they just think like, put your head down, diet for as long as you can lose as much weight as you can. Yeah. So how do you wrap someone's head around before you even start with them around this kind of approach? Like, trust me, two weeks on, two weeks off is going to be better for you. How do you get that point across to them? Yeah, definitely. There, there is a, a definite learning curve when it comes to that. I mean, fortunately for me, uh, a good amount of my audience is a little bit more advanced, but I've used this with people who are looking to lose a ton of weight and it does take a little bit more of a learning curve. So here's what, what a client who joins typically does with me. Uh, the first week, all they're doing is just tracking what they eat. Now, I'm not somebody who says you have to track calories forever or any of that, but until you have awareness of how many calories you're putting in and maybe where junk foods are sneaking in, where your protein intake is like, or where your vegetable intake is like, it's very hard to make an informed decision. It's much like if you're setting a budget for your house or for your business. If you don't know what your intake is or what's going out, how can you make a proactive better choice? Well, on data, you can't. So really what this first approach is, is looking at... You know, what's the data say? What's happening here? Um, so what that really allows us to do is say, okay, well, if you've actually been at a diet right now, what we need to do, well, we're going to work on a couple individual habits, but we're going to increase your calories. So we're going to start at that higher calorie amount. Um, so the education process really comes with that. First is a conversation. It's okay. Well, you've been doing this for a diet and how is that working for you? And real talk, I mean, that's not a comfortable conversation to have. But at the end of the day, as coaches, we need to be able to have those conversations, even if, you know, we're scared that it might, you know, put somebody on their heels a little bit. Because um, at the end of the day, if you're not eating hardly at all, and you're not losing body fat, you're just digging yourself into a further hole that's going to take longer to get out of. Yeah. So um, tracking and getting awareness first. Second is going to be that conversation. Uh, third is going to be the education process of why this actually works. And again, this comes down to the points like, you know, when you're in a diet, thyroid downregulates, ghrelin, leptin, those hormones that control hunger, those are going to get jacked up. Um, looking at cortisol and the stress response and then sex drive and then how those things really intertwine. If those are completely out of whack as well and calories have been low for a long time, you know, once we start to increase those calories and focus on good food choices, people start to have more energy and they start to feel better, better already. Um, so once we start to do that and, and get that process going, it becomes much simpler. And then by the time it's ready to go on a diet, well, they've been so focused on hitting more calories, they can't wait to actually eat at a caloric deficit to really see the weight come off. Um, so those are the big components. But the battle is actually when you increase calories back to maintenance. Yep. Right? Because people are like, oh my God, I'm going to eat 600 more calories today. I'm totally going to gain weight. Mm. 
so scary so scary it's just like thanksgiving like oh my god shit i'm just i'm gonna gain 10 pounds <laughs> uh, but the biggest thing there again comes down to an education process and that's what you need to be able to do as a quality coach is help people understand why you're doing what you're doing so they buy into the process and are able to stick to it and commit to it and when it comes to increasing calories you know the biggest conversation is going to be when we're increasing calories you know we're not going to get that extra 600 calories from having two and a half Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches as delicious as they are, <laughs> or, you know, Tony Hortons, whatever you want. Yeah. Um, it's about making good quality food choices. And when people learn how to do that and yeah, the weight will come up a little bit, but you know, it's water weight, it's additional waste, you know, it's what's going to happen. And then when you see it level out on a consistent basis, then you're good. But it really comes down to awareness and then educating each individual person on what's going to happen. So they're not off, not caught off guard when it actually does happen. Cause so much of coaching is really setting those expectations of what people can expect, leading them to those and then leading them on the journey to where they actually, you know, hired you to take them. Yeah. I was just, I was just going to say that it comes down to really just it's setting expectations and education. That's the two biggest things. It's like, yes, we can motivate people at times and, and support them and guide them but it really comes down to like, these are, this is what can and should happen. And here's why. And I think that's like a difference maker. And that's why you've been in the industry for so long. And clearly you're good at it. Um, educating people to do it for themselves. And I, I say this to everybody on our initial call. I'm like, look, like regardless of, of if you want to work with me for three months, six months, whatever it is, I don't want to be your coach forever. Like I want to give you as much as I can educate you so you can do this for yourself because so many people are still struggling. Like we're, we're in an age, like it was information everywhere yet people aren't getting fitter on average. So to me, there's a huge problem. So if I can teach one more person to be able to get fit, stay fit on their own, I've done my job. Well, that's how, kind of how I look at it. Totally. I think the ultimate, the ultimate goal of a quality coach is, not to keep somebody in the coaching program forever. Well, I mean, yeah, there can be benefits to working with coach for a long time. Um, the ultimate goal though for the coach is self-sufficiency or at least giving somebody the tools where if you're working with a, with a husband where he can inform his wife on what some of these best decisions are or lead their children or help somebody else along that path, you know, lead by example and then be able to at least speak to these things enough to help, keep people going in the right direction. Yeah, most definitely, man. I want to, uh, I want to shift the gears just a little bit um, because I know your new dad and like, I guess the past six months to a little bit has been kind of like between COVID and starting a new family. Like how have you balanced everything? What's kind of like your approach to work life balance, I guess you can call it. Cause there really is no balance, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so um Tell you what, man, it's been a ride. It has been a ride. So really the first thing was I spent the first part of this year really preparing for my daughter to get here and understanding that everything was going to be completely thrown off, no matter how type A organized I am going to be. Um, it's the ultimate curveball. So for me was, you know, with business, it was uh, making sure that employees are dialed in in terms of what their responsibilities are, are going to be. Um, it's working ahead in terms of having materials ready to maybe offload some of the redundant work that, that happens anytime that you have a business, right? So the organizational component on the front end was huge. Uh, but second, you know, when it comes to, we'll talk about the work aspect. Um, for me, it's all about finding that time when I can be distraction free. 
obviously when Zoe was waking up every two hours, that was completely impossible to do to, uh, to a great ability. But for example, right now, um, she's sleeping 10 to 14 hours a night. Uh, and mostly through the night, which is great. So we're, we're fairly lucky in that regard. Oh, yeah. Um, but for me, my one focus time really before she's up for most of the day and before, you know, I've got to go into dad mode is about five in the morning until 9am. So I've got that block of 5am to nine to pretty much lead and direct three businesses at the same time. So for me, it's all about blocking off that time and having a clear-cut focus on what I need to be doing each and every single day. Um, so if we want to take this lesson and actually like roll back, when I first started my online coaching business, I really built it through writing and publishing. So places like Nation, bodybuilding.com, um, Yahoo, Yahoo, CNN, whatever, right? Um, it was all based on writing this, these articles to provide value that was going to go out. This doing a proactive task is going to outwardly build my business, maybe not generate revenue right now, but build it later on down the road. Um, with my clients, I have that same focus when it comes to their training. If they have a hectic schedule, it's going to be, okay, well, if everything else is going to get in the way and you keep trying to work out after work, but there's always a meeting or always something with the kids that comes up, you've got to do it first before distractions kick in. So I've just been applying that same principle really from 5 a.m. until 9 a.m., get as much work done as I can. Um, and then after that, it's kind of a, kind of a free-for-all. It really is. So, you know, I'll try to get in when, when, when Zoe's taking naps, uh, but my wife is self-employed as well. So we're both working from home um, and then, you know, taking care of the baby and doing that stuff for, for the rest of the day. So that's, that's really what the big lesson has been in that regard. Um, overall, though, when it comes to health, and you can speak to this, you've never seen how important sleep is until you have an infant. It's true. <laughs> it is absolutely um... insane. Um, so, so John, one thing I have saw on my, uh, my hand right here is an aura ring. So just, uh, just another digital tracker, but, um, this tracks HRV, it tracks overall recoverability, gives you a readiness score each day and then sleep. Um, a couple things I noticed was obviously when sleep quality goes down, well, I have to be a lot more diligent with what I'm eating and, uh, and my training. And this is something that a lot of people who are, um, who are parents who are maybe hard chargers professionally really struggle with. And I thought I had it dialed in, um, but then I had a kid and I learned that I learned no, absolutely nothing. Right? <laughs> so, um, you know, I learned that I had to pull back quite a bit of my training. I couldn't train as long or as hard. So it was either going to be frequent, maybe 20, 30 minute workouts and focusing on, um, you know, total body type stuff and as many muscle groups as I can. Um, or it was going to have to be maybe one exercise where I'm training purely for strength. When it came to my diet, well, I knew I wasn't getting as much sleep. Um, I was going to be more likely to want to reach for, you know, whatever good foods are around. So really curtailed what was in the house, what type of junk foods in the house, we got rid of it. Um, and I followed an intermittent fasting approach and then used uh, trifecta meals for a while to okay. automate my decision making because I hadn't tried to learn how to keep this child alive. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I had to, you know, you know, try to be a good husband, then, uh, you know, obviously operate the businesses, but if I had to add food stress on top of all of this and preparing meals like I had done before, there's no way I would have stuck to it. So my big thought process was offload as many decisions as I could. Um, so dietarily speaking, what it became was intermittent fasting, quite a bit of coffee for yep. being honest. Of course. Um, but then lunches were, uh, lunches were automated. So I just have something from trifecta or try the vertical diet as well. 
good quality meal there where I don't have to think about it and have a Quest bar or a protein shake in the afternoon and then cook one meal basically per day. That's solid, man. It's, um, I wish I can tell you my approach was that good <laughs> four years ago. My approach was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, <laughs> how I'm surviving. But like back then too, like I was working in person. I was, so I was in school and I was working in person at the gym and I had a night job. Wow. Like yeah. I was doing too much and my, my health and fitness went to shit. I gained so much weight uh, this time around though. So like people who are listening to this podcast, it's already like, I'm three weeks into being a dad to two boys, but like we're giving birth tomorrow. Um, today's December 2nd. So like for December, I've kind of took the same approach as you in a sense where I knew like my brain is not going to be in content creation mode at all. So I, I'm all my posts pretty much for the month of December loaded my plan for the beginning of January ready. Like, because I've been a business owner now for four years, I'm like, I know what to do. Um, and it's been such a big shift. The thing that I'm worried about, and you didn't have to do this, I guess there's going to be so much chocolate in this house, man. And, and I'm going to have no sleep. Yeah. That's going to be the one thing that I have to like really fight, which is going to be fun. But um, no, 5am to 9am. That's, um, that's a solid block of time. And like you said, three businesses too, like that's pretty legit. Um, when did you, when did she start sleeping through the night? Uh, I mean, so she started teething like three weeks ago. So it's been a little bit hit and miss lately. Oh, yeah, like yesterday n one five nine but um you know a couple things that really i guess have really helped me with that i mean she started sleeping pretty well consistently about six weeks in nice That's so we kind of get up she'd do a, do a feeding then we get her to go back to bed for a couple hours mm-hmm. um but the biggest thing for me was you know communicating on the front end with uh with my wife lauren is like hey if i can have a focused time block at this right here i get I get exponentially more done in the morning. I'm basically worthless after like two or three in the afternoon about <laughs> the conversation with the sales call. Yeah. When it comes to content and doing that stuff, it has to be in the morning. Um, so for us, it was a conversation like, okay, when are going to be your primary like work times and focus times and, and try to stick to them as much as I can. Obviously everything's thrown into flux, you know, with a child, but setting up those boundaries and having those conversations on the front end um, and just kind of like same with same way that it was with food is like trying to set up any, um, try to eliminate decisions as much as we can because decision fatigue, I believe is a real thing, particularly when you're stressed, you know, it's just like somebody who's, um, stressed at the end of a work day and they don't want to make food. So they go and get fast food. Right. Yep. Um, these seem like small decisions, like, oh, it's just fast food once or twice, but they compound over time, big time. Um, so anything that you can do during a really high stress time or when you're strapped for, for time is to eliminate as many of those decisions as you can with healthy automated decisions. So you can just do it, move on to the next thing and keep going. Parents, I hope you're taking notes because this is true. I mean, especially for parents, especially for parents of young kids, you're going to get stressed the hell out and you're not going to want to either train. You're not going to want to cook because you're so stressed and or tired. Um, That's where meal prep becomes massive. That's where having a coach, create your program for you, help you stay accountable to it instead of trying to figure it all on your own. That's a big difference maker. Um, I was going to say something about time block, but I forget what it is now. Oh yeah. When you said about uh, doing intermittent fasting, that's something I've been kind of working on for a while. So it's, I don't know if you can call it intermittent fasting, technically speaking, but my mornings are the same as yours. It's like, I'm up 
it's like it's content creation and then as the afternoon kind of dwindles it's it's no content creation it's like conversations and whatever else but yeah. in the mornings it's coffee mostly and then i'll make like this coffee protein shake hybrid where it's like this big like i fill up my blender with two three scoops of chocolate whey a bunch of ice and a coffee nice. that that gives me till like 12 one o'clock which is pretty yeah. good then i'll have like lunch maybe a snack and then dinner so it kind of regulates my calories too yeah so similar to you um and i found it super helpful and i'm gonna try to keep that up over the next uh three four weeks but we'll see yeah and actually you know one thing i want to kind of add into that and you know fasting is one thing i do think you have to be careful of i mean i talk about it and do recommend it for a lot of my clients um but it's also crucial to remember and i think having protein in there definitely helps because it does give you a little bit of a response but when you're not eating for long periods of time, that's also going to raise cortisol. It's also going to be a stressor. And when you have stress of, you know, work, a kid, stressed out maybe about weight, something else going on, um, and you have something else that's going to dramatically, or not dramatically, but is going to raise cortisol in that stress response, just pay attention to how you are and how you feel throughout the day. Because I did run into a battle probably about three months ago where I was just probably having five or six cups of coffee a day, um, kind of going through that time period because I was getting four hours of sleep a night. Um, but pretty soon I just, I caught myself in the afternoon and I was just anxious. I, you know, I was just not in a good mood. I was taken out of my wife and that obviously wasn't going well when she was, you know, nursing and then all that. <laughs> um, so you just have to be careful, you know, with some of those methods when, when that's happening, where, you know, even having, you know, whey protein early in the day or, um, even a little bit of carbohydrates can help blunt that cortisol response. And then obviously keeping the caffeine within reason. Um, if you notice that you're overly anxious and irritable beyond what you would be from being, you know, sleep deprived, then it's time to really look at some of the other aspects of what your diet is. And if caffeine intake is getting too high as a result of fasting and trying to blunt hunger. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think I was doing, um, I did a photo shoot a few weeks ago last month. Um, and I, because the calories got super low and the days are just, I've never done anything like that. Caffeine was really, really high. Um, it was hard. It was hard because like, I wanted to blunt my hunger, but at the same time I was all like jittery and anxious and like still grumpy because my, even though I was caffeinated, my calories were horribly low. Um, so that's a good point. I mean, I, I love caffeine as much as the next person. Um, but it is true. Like sometimes we can overdo it and it's, it raises cortisol. Like you said, like, it's not, it's not always the most beneficial. Um, it's funny. Cause I just talked about pre-workout to people today. Like I generally don't recommend it unless you've already experienced training with it. Like you probably yeah. won't need it. Right. Like I just say, if you've never taken pre-workout before, don't like, it's fine. I just have a cup of coffee if you feel you really need it. But other than that, what do you think? Yeah, it, it becomes a crutch. Um, I remember one client I worked with, this is one of my first clients, he's now a gym owner in Utah. And uh, he was going to school, going to night school after working a full-time job and had seven kids. And <laughs> did his dietary recall and it was like seven Red Bulls a day. Oh my God. <laughs> so it was just an insane caffeine intake. But, you know, like I said, pre-workouts, I mean, frankly, most of them are artificial sweeteners with a ton of caffeine and maybe some beta alanine. So you feel jitters. Um, the calf, I mean, a cup of coffee is a much, much better option than any of those. Um, I had this conversation today too, oddly enough. And it was like, Oh, what do you think about this supplement? I'm like, listen, 
using a pre-workout or taking a supplement is not going to be the one thing that gets you to the next level. It's going to be a temporary boost for what is likely poor recovery and sleep right now. And you just become dependent and need to basically double the dose to get that same response after two or three weeks. It's, I'm glad you said that. And it's, it's tough too, because the supplement industry just keeps growing. Right. And there's, there's not enough research, I think, to back up the growth of all of these supplements that continue to come out. But the one difference is it's, it's an easy answer almost for people. They can reach for a bottle and say, yes, this is going to help me. When in reality, like most of the time it's not like, unless you have everything else dialed in and you have like 10 plus years of experience, like you're just splitting hairs with most of these things. Yeah. Um, and that's why anytime, anytime someone asks me my supplement recommendations, I kind of chuckle to myself. I'm like, there's like three things on my list. <laughs> like I typically don't recommend most things, um, outside of whey, caffeine and creatine. Like other than that, yeah, there's not much else. Yeah. Do you find, um, do you find you have a lot of people like asking you about supplements or do you kind of just try to steer them away from that kind of conversation? Yeah. We get a lot of people asking about supplements. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? Again, supplements, look at the word supplement. It's meant to supplement things that are already in place and doing a good job. And the problem is for most individuals is it's, it's a magic fix for something that they're not addressing already because it's too hard to do the boring work. <laughs> and supplements then become a crutch for not addressing the root cause. Basically it's like crash dieting for a short term because you're not willing to address maybe the underlying stress and behavior that's leading to consistent overeating. Right. Yeah. That's very much what supplements are like. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we have a lot of people that are asking about different things and um, big ones that I recommend very similar to you. Like if you need a boost, caffeine is going to be great. Creatine is the most researched and proven supplement of all time. Um, I definitely recommend people do like vitamin D and magnesium because they're generally fairly deficient in those and you can feel a good response. And then most people need to get more protein in their diet because yeah. if you look at every single diet that's successful, it's a high protein diet is the number one thing. Yeah. So focus on those basics, everything else. If you want to experiment and like blow some money, that's fine. Um, but frankly, I'd rather blow $40 on a nice, you know, bottle of bourbon or something like that. So. Seriously. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Nice steak. <laughs> I'd go blow it on a couple dozen donuts, but Hey, that's just, that's just me. <laughs> that's the umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time man. this has been great. Um, do you want to leave the people with any other tidbits? Yeah, man. I mean, Hey, quick tagline success comes from the ruthless execution of the basics. So things like tracking calories might seem boring, might not work. Oh, actually, no, that's like the most proven thing that you can do when it comes to your diet. <laughs> um, you're tired, you're fatigued, looking for a pre-workout. The answer is going to be sleep. You're not recovering from your workout. You're not growing. Um, you're having food cravings. It's probably going to come down to sleep. Um, you're not making progress when it comes to what you're seeing in the gym. Are you tracking the workouts? If not, get back to some of those. Really, fitness itself, the more I learn about it, the more I realize that it all comes back to the same basic principles and applying those as it relates to somebody else's, um, someone's specific goals. But, you know, in today's information overload age, there's just so much information out there and everything is being portrayed as the, the best method or this unique method because it's good marketing. It is, but it doesn't mean it's successful or what you need to be doing. So simplify and execute and you'll be happy with the results. That's it. Take it from this guy. He's been jacked and lean the whole time and he's a great <laughs> coach, both business and fitness. So Eric definitely knows what he's talking about, man. Where can everybody find you? Shameless plug time. Oh, 
shameless plug time. Uh, Bachperformance.com. Uh, Bach, just like the composer, no relation that I know of, but if you want to run with it, we can. Um, otherwise, feel free to drop by on Instagram, send me a message. More than happy to chat and help you in any way that I can. Love it, man. Thanks again for being on here. Appreciate you taking the time. And hey, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Great to catch up. All right, man. Take care.